is the good life. The whole month of August is going to be the good life. We're going to be talking about finances and uh, that cuss word in church, money. We are going to be talking about prosperity, and, and I'll have to admit, that's, that's a turn-off word, really. When, when you're flicking through, okay, let me, when I'm flicking through the channels and I come across a, re, a religious station and there's some prosperity preacher there and he was saying, you know, give $2,000 in the Lord or give this or, you know, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not trying to be judgmental or critical, maybe a little, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's just a turnoff for me, but because of that, most people, most people will throw the baby with and the, the with the water as well. How's throw the Yes, thank you. They do that. And so I God wants not only wants us, he's provided the means that is in us to prosper. And if you're going to have a good life, you you're going to have to have money. I don't care if you're in the third, I've been, we were on the mission field, even when you're in a third world country, you have to have money, you do, and so, uh, but it is a turn off, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't stomach when, you know, you know, send in a hundred dollars, we'll send you this oil that came from a, a tree in Israel, or this was next to the tomb, that's, Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about good stuff about uh, how that God has provided for us. Amen? And there's no gimmicks. There's no gimmicks when it comes to God's prosperity. There's no gimmicks when it comes to God's healing. There's no gimmicks when it comes to God's provision. There's no gimmicks when it comes to God's forgiveness. It, it, he is a gimmickless. That's, that's not a word. But uh, if you were from Kentucky, you would have amen that. But... Uh, <laughs> He, he's not into that, amen? And uh, neither are we, neither are we. But the first, I know probably half of you, maybe the majority of you have heard me preach on something along the lines that God, uh, God's will for your life is to prosper. But I want everybody, including myself, to listen to this series this month like you've never heard the message. Because there's been times in my life that, uh, for example, on healing, you know, we were raised up believing that God, uh, not only do, is it part of life to get sick, that God made you sick. We were raised up in that realm. Maybe you were too. But it came to the point when I heard the truth that God paid the price for us to be healed. By the stripes of Jesus, First Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we were healed. And so when I started hearing that, and I went, whoa, 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 wait, that, that's not what I've learned. That's not what I know. That's not what I've believed. I mean, no, you can believe the wrong thing. And you will live up to your belief, though. If you believe that you're supposed to get sick, you're probably going to get sick and be proud of it. But uh, uh, then when I found out that God didn't want me sick, I started hearing these message after message, so my brain got a hold of that. But I want to be honest with you. We started this church and with me believing that it was God's will for us to prosper, for it's God's will for us to be in health, that it was God's will for, for us to understand and comprehend and let grace flow through me. I'm going to be transparent. It wasn't until about four years ago that I really started truly in my heart understanding what I've been preaching for years. 
the point is, the point is that you can hear truth after truth after truth after truth, but if it's not getting inside of you to where it's part of you and you know that you know that you know, it will stay in between your ears. And if it stays in between your ears, it's not going to do you any good. That's where it begins, in between the ears. But a lot of us just keep it in between our ears, and we don't, I mean, I know that I know that I know that God has paid the price for me to be whole every day of my life, every day. And it's also the will of God for me to prosper, to prosper. Because, you know, when I, I, I was saved the majority of my life. So we have a clump of people that believe that Jesus came, died on the cross and for our sins. And that's a clump of people. Thank God that he did that. And then you have another clump of people over here that believe that not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but he uh, made a way for me to be totally healed. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. And not only were we forgiven, but we're also healed. And then there's another clump of people that, that not only are we forgiven, not only are we healed, but there is a way for us to live in God's prosperity, to live in God's prosperity. And, uh, and I'm clumping everybody. Those are the three big ones. The three biggest areas that people have problems with in life is number one is their health. Number two is uh, for finances. And number three is relations, relationships. And uh, uh, Jesus didn't leave us to struggle when he left. He made a way for all three of those areas for us to have victory in. He made a way for us to have victory, not only to be free from guilt and shame, all of the days of your life, I mean every single day of your life, to be free from guilt and shame, so we're, not only are our sins been forgiven, but our bodies have been made a way for us to be whole, our minds to be sound. I don't believe when you turn 80, 70, 90, 100 that you're, you're just, well, you know, you're supposed to be forgetful. If that's what you believe, then you will forget about me. But, I mean, uh, you forget that I even said this. But if you believe that you, you don't have to uh, be programmed to be forgetful, if you believe that you don't have to get sick, if you believe that you don't have to live in poverty, then you've raised the level for your life to live the good life. Hallelujah. Well, did you know there's approximately 40 parables in the Bible? Approximately, give or take. 16 of those parables deal with managing possessions, money. 16 of the 40. There's over, uh, well, there's just around approximately 500 scriptures on prayer in the New Testament. Are you listening? Everybody listen? Approximately 500 per, uh, scriptures on prayer. How many of you know that prayer is really, really important? Everybody understand? Okay, just want to make sure. There's uh, just under 500 scriptures about faith. How many of you know that faith is really important? There is over 2,000 scriptures that talk about money management and finances and possessions. It's a lot. And yet when people hear preaching on that, they go, it's a total turnoff. And, uh, and I agree. There's been some uh, abuse. 
there's been some greed and, uh, in, in preaching the prosperity mes- message. But I want to say this. This is, I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. I only believe in one gospel. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as prosperity gospel. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of Jesus. But inside of that umbrella is having your needs met and prospering. It is believing God that you can walk in health and wholeness. It's believing that you can have victory in your relationships. It's it's underneath that umbrella is the good life, is the good life. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Verse 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now, people are against wealth, and they'll even take a a, a vow of poverty because they think they're going to be, you know, humble and more spiritual the more poor they are. Well, then we should go underneath all the bridges of Colorado and have revival because there's a lot of poverty uh, living underneath bridges. And I'm not saying that to put people down, but I'm just saying there's no spirituality to that. There's no truth in that. This says that God has given us power to get wealth. If wealth is wrong, then why would God give us power to get it? And let's just be honest. I grew up believing and being taught. I was taught that, you know, uh, riches are, are wicked and mean and, and, and bad and all the adjectives that I can't think of right now, but it was bad. But yet, I knew men, personal friends, and I knew men that are older than me. I was just a teenager going to church. I knew them. They were working 70, 80 hours a week to, to get a hold of all that wicked stuff. But when it came Sunday morning, oh, it's bad. It's bad. And I'm you know, I'm, I, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I do know one thing. Well, why are you working so hard to get this thing that's evil? Something's wrong. Our teaching is what's wrong. Our belief is what's wrong. Are you out there? Hallelujah. But anyway, there, I'm going to just do four basic like levels, if I could. At the bottom would be the worst would be poverty. I mean, that's where you don't know where your next paycheck's going to come. You're just, you're, you're just poor. You're just really, really poor. All right? And then the next step would be to get by or having your needs met. That is a step up. Paycheck to paycheck is better than not knowing where your, your money's coming from, but getting by, having your uh, needs met, but there's no leftover. If somebody says, let's go out to eat, and, and you, you have a desire to, to pay for their meal, but you just barely have enough to pay for your meal. So you, you're, you're just getting by, having your needs met. All right? The next level above that would be abundance. Abundance. Just making sure. Spelling is not a priority, obviously, in my life. But that's having more than enough. So after your paycheck uh, and you pay all your bills, there's still some left over. That's called an abundance. If you want to buy somebody uh, a meal, hey, uh, let me pay for your meal. You can do that. You can do that. 
all right? But then there's a step above that. And most people, they, they think they're in hog heaven if, if they're there. If they got, wow, we got $75 left over this week. Let's go to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Invite me. Anyway, all right. And I'll buy. But there's a step above that. It's called wealth. This is where you don't even think about your money. Your money is working for you. You know, that's one of the major flaws in the United States teaching system. I'm not here to knock their teaching system. But our teaching system wants everybody to be educated to get a great job. There's a major fault with that. Our education system should teach our children how to make money, not only to make money, that's the first step, but how to get money to work for you. The Jewish nation knows this, and they know how to do it. You go up to some Jews, man, and they just, they just know how to make money. Work. And they don't, I, I'm not going to work for somebody. I'm going to own the business. I'm going to start a business. I've got a friend who's a lawyer. He says, uh, Micah, I charge $475 an hour. I went, what? One hour, $475. That's good money. But you know what he said? For years, he, he, uh, he did this. And he found out, he says, I'm no better off than somebody who makes really minimum wage. And I went, come again? He says, the day that I quit is the day that I don't have any money coming into me. So if you live the standard, which he, he did and most people do, you live to the standard of what's coming in. So if you live to the standard of $475 an hour and you live to that standard and that $475 an hour is not coming in anymore, you're no better off than a guy making 20 bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour, and when he quits as well, you're both in the same boat. So he was coming across people that uh, he went to court for and did legal fees to people who own real estate. And they didn't even uh, punch a clock. They own real estate, and so their real estate was making money for them. And he started doing all this stuff and, and figuring it out, and he put two and two together, and he says, they're better off than me. Because they invest in something, and then that investment's Make money for them. So their money is working for them. You need to talk to God about that. Because Deuteronomy 8, 18, is that, that's in my Bible. Is that in your Bible? Is, is that in your Bible? It, it says, let's read it again. And you shall remember the Lord. You got to remember God in this. So you need to talk to God about this. He says, for it is he, God, who gives you power to get Wealth. We get so excited right here. We get so excited. Oh, I got a great job. I got a great job. I'll rejoice with you. And if this is where you want to stay, you'll stay there. And let me just say this. God loves you no matter what area this means. This has, let's be perfectly clear, this has nothing to do about your relationship with him. Are you out there? He loves you no matter what. He loves you if you're under a bridge or if you're at the top of uh, the most magnificent 
hotel on the planet. It's the same with God. He doesn't have a status quo. Oh, you're a Christian down here. You're a Christian right here. And you're, whoa, I got to get my binoculars out to see you. You're so far down. No, it, we're all right there. Are you hearing me? We're all on the same level, the same plane when it comes to the love of God and how much he thinks and loves you. We're all the same. Isn't that awesome? But it's God who gives us power to get. No, it's not a cuss word in church. Let's say it. It's God who gives you power to get. Oh. And he leaves that up to us. He leaves that up to us. I was thinking about that this week, and, you know, our vision for those who are visiting is up on that, that uh, wall over there. Uh, we're wanting to get into a much larger building, uh, a minimum of 50,000-square-foot building, uh, preferably a 100,000-square-foot building that I have my eyes on. But uh, this is a 13,000-square-foot building. That includes the boiler room, which nobody should go because we don't know if you can come back out. But it's 13,000 <laughs> square feet, including that. And, uh, but uh, we want to get into a, a, a bigger building. And then the second thing is to build a, a university in the Congo, a three-story. We're not talking about a room this size, a three-story university in the Congo. And uh, Dad Hagemeyer already has, it's like a, a five fingers. It's the true Pentagon. But anyway, uh, we're going to do that in Kalimi. And then the third thing is we're going to build a youth center for our city. A state-of-the-art, out-of-the-box that people from Denver, Colorado want to come down to visit Pueblo just to see this youth center. So those are three major things. And I was thinking about that this week, and I, and it, I, I just, you should let your imagination run wild. You know, you're, when you're growing up, you know, your parents sometimes says, you need to just quit daydreaming like that. No, we need to encourage people to daydream. Man, let your kids daydream, think big, because most of you all don't. And you need to. So I just started thinking big. And when I was, you know, thinking about this message of the series this, this month, talking about finances, talking about abundance and wealth, I just thought, you know, Father, our church is growing. And if every single person in our church was a multimillionaire, that would include you, by the way. If every, somebody going, what? No, I'm talking to you. If every single person in our church was a multimillionaire, those three things would be done this year or at least started on. And the Lord said, absolutely. He says, I don't have a problem with that because I have given my people power to get wealth. Now, some of you are having a hiccup right here. You're thinking... Multi, you probably can't even say it. Multi-millionaire, yeah. God doesn't have a problem with that. And we're going to talk about, you know, when people, I know because people get real religious when they start talking about money, you know, because they say, well, you know, what about the rich man? What about the rich man? What about the rich man? They'll take one person and make their whole life doctrine on that. Why didn't you pick Solomon? That's one man in the Bible. Let's pick Solomon the richest man on the planet, and God made him rich. God made him rich. Abraham, God made him rich. He had 300 servants. You, you, you can't make minimum wage and pay 300 servants. I'm, 
Nothing wrong with minimum wage, but you, if you have minimum wage, you are not going to have... How many servants do you have? Well, I'm on minimum wage. Well, you're not going to have 300. Abraham had 300 people waiting on his stuff, his plantation, his stuff. He had to have 300 people working for him. Well, first of all, you're employing people. That's being a blessing. If you can own a business and provide jobs... People would say, you know, our just city Pueblo, you know, we struggle financially. We just need more jobs. We'll start a business. <laughs> it's safer right back here. <laughs> third John. There's only one chapter, but third John chapter one, verse two, it says, Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. The King James and New King James Version says to prosper in all things. Does that leave anything out? It says to prosper in all things. So that would include your pocketbook. That would include your, your checkbook, your savings. But we need to start, it says to remember God. You need to start talk, having a conversation this month when we're talking about this, you need to have a conversation that says, Father, I, I, I've just been believing this, and this has been my expectation. You know, we'll dabble in this, you know, when we get, you know, uh, your refund check comes back from the IRS, you know. That, ooh, yeah, okay. And then by May 1st, it's back to here. Some people by February 1st, it's back to here. But what are you believing do you realize that all of us will live up to our belief system? You will live up to your belief system. If this is where you want to live, which is selfish, it really is. Just getting your needs met, which means you, you can't buy anybody anything, that's do you realize that's not God's way? We're going to be talking about the will of God. God's way is to be a blessing to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and everybody he possibly can. Do you understand if, you, if you're in the realm of wealth, when we take up an offering for, uh, you know, Stephanie, Melody's sister is going to be coming uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. She'll be here Wednesday night, I believe. Not 100% for sure. But she's uh, been in a missionary in Africa. Don't tell her I said this, but it, she got off the boat with Noah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she's been there a long time. And uh, her kids, you better be nice. But she's been there a long time. And you know what? She is doing so much, but she could do so much more if the finances were available. First of all, the university. The university. I figured all three of them is going to take probably close to living on, on the fat side of it, 50 million. Anybody got 50 million in here? But what, what, if some, what if everybody in our church was a multimillionaire? Do you think we would be struggling and doing those three things or even talking much about it? Now, we're going to talk about generosity because you could have 50 million and not want to give any of it, and so it doesn't really benefit the kingdom of God. 
But uh, we want to be a benefit to the kingdom of God, to what he wants done on the planet. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But it does take money for that to happen. You do have to have something to give something away. You know, there's people, I think it, I should have looked it up, uh, Caterpillar. I believe that somebody can help me out here. Uh, he gives away 90% and lives off 10%. You say, what? Well, when you're making multi, multi millions and billions of dollars, you can live pretty good off 10%. If you have a billion dollars and you say, I'm only going to live off, somebody says, I live off 10% of my income. You go, oh, really? That? Well, if you have a billion dollars, 10%, you're going to live pretty good. And you give 90% way? What if that was all of us? Living on 10%, which means you're living really good. Good. You're not going to try to, I better get something, you know, a 1999 car because I was just, nothing wrong with that. But if you have to, because of your belief system, you think this is, listen to me. All of us are going to live up to, we are programmed to live right here. This is what the program is. Get by, have your needs met. Get a good job, have a couple of kids, retire, but you can't retire, so you keep working and doing something so you can maybe take a vacation. We're programmed to live that way. But you realize every single person that is born on this planet has inside their DNA for this before they even get saved. Now, I know some of you are going to go, what? Yeah. No, before you even get born again and meet Jesus, why do I say that? Every person is created in the very image of God. That's a powerful statement. I don't care. There's... I don't, I'm not trying to judge. I don't know if some of the multi-billionaires uh, are saved. They may be. I'm pretty sure not all of them are. I'm pretty sure a lot of multi-millionaires are not saved and believe in Jesus, but they're making millions, they're making billions. You say, well, how? That's just unfair. It's just not. No. If that's what you think, and, and let me just say this. If you think people who are making money and it's unfair that you're not, you're going down the wrong road and you'll never get there. We're going to slap up a lot of stuff in people. Our goal is to slap it out of you so it won't be in you. I'm telling you, if you're expecting and wanting things to get better for you, but you can't because there's other people that are making money and everything. Dad Hagemeyer taught me this, and I'll never forget it. I over, he didn't know he was teaching me, but he taught me something. He was, we were in a bunch of ministers together, you know, and they were meeting, and Dad Hagemeyer is, is my wife's parents. I call him Dad because he's really my dad. But anyway, uh, he's been, they've been missionaries in Africa for over 50 years. But... Uh, <laughs> They were all these missionaries getting together and everything. They were talking about this. And, and somebody said, well, Ralph, aren't you concerned about this missionary? They was coming to the same church that really sponsored and helped dad. Aren't you really concerned about, you know, them getting your money? Because they're coming to this church and this church was going to sponsor them. Aren't you concerned about it? You know, 
real spiritual stuff talking. But anyway, I never forget his response. And man, I downloaded this truth. He said, my money comes to me. It doesn't go to anybody else. My money comes to me. My money comes to me. You know what that means? You can't take my money. You can't get my money because my money comes to me. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So I don't have to be envious of anybody. I don't have to be greedy because somebody's doing this. Somebody's getting this. I just think, oh, but God is blessing him. That is so good. My money comes to me. It's coming to me. You can't get it. The devil can't get it. Nobody can get it. It's got my name on it. And it comes from my daddy. There's so many people that they're proud and, and working so hard and, and struggling to make ends meet and everything, and they leave out the God factor, and they have a self-righteous attitude in making money. Oh, this is a big slap. Everybody hold your cheeks. We get self-righteous in, in making money because we've worked hard for it. And I made and I did this. That's called self righteousness ow I am a good work I am I've taught my kids to be good and work ethic it's easy to to be promoted in America first of all just do your job you're going to get everybody's attention you're going to get your boss's attention just if you do your job because most people don't well let me back up show up every day now you're above probably 30% of all the employees that you work with. Just show up. I'm here. Oh, great. Promote him. He's been doing this for six months. But anyway, just show up on time. Oh, my goodness. Now 40% above everybody else. If you show up and you're on time and then you do your job, you'll probably be the, the assistant to the director. But I've taught all my kids. I says, don't just, when you learn your job, once you learn it well, then you start learning everybody else's. And what, this is really easy. It's God 101. I've learned, the Lord taught me this. I didn't know he was teaching me this at McDonald's when I was 16. I, I, I did this at 16. At age 17, 17, I was a swing shift manager. I looked back at that and I thought, that was not, that was, they were real close to Desperate, stupid, or something, 17 years old? I, I didn't even make up my bed at home at age 17. But anyway, uh, here I am, a, soci uh, uh, a swing shift manager at 17. Why? Because nobody else was qualified to do it. One guy did fries for two years. What do you do? I do fries. I would just go nuts doing that for more than 30 days, much less two years. So I learned everything. And then when they had needed to promote somebody, they said, Mike's the only one who knows how to do it. Well, yeah, but then they try to get somebody. Well, Mike's the only one who knows how to do that too. And Mike, promote him. I'm telling you, this is a God thing. He wants you to be promoted from here to here. But you're going to be encouraged to go from here to here. And you're going to be encouraged to go from here to here. And it's God. It's God. Don't get condemned in any place that you're at. Are you hearing me? Because the devil will want you to hear this and be condemned. 
Lord, I'm just barely, I got one nostril above this. One nostril. If a wave comes, I'm sucking water. You know what that means? If the hot water goes out, we're done. You know, we're done. We're taking cold showers this month. We've, I've been just one nostril above this. When we first came back from Africa, I'm not for sure. I have to ask Melody and get the facts straight, but it was close to 2000 or something dollar. I, I'm sorry. We had probably about three or 4000 but everything, we got to pay cash for our ticket. We didn't have to put it on a credit card to fly back to America. And, uh, and a lot of our friends had to put it on their credit card to get back to America. But uh, the Lord provided that. When we came to Kentucky, I needed a vehicle. My brother-in-law and sister knew that we were looking for a car. So uh, we were shopping, and I wanted to, in our budget to spend $1,500 for a car. My brother-in-law says, you know, I'm getting rid of my car. I think he was going to sell it for $2,500 or $3,000. He says, I'll sell it to you for $3,000. I mean, for $1,500. I said, sold. So we had a car. So we were on our way to Colorado. The Lord called us to Pueblo, Colorado to start a church. So we were on our way, but we stopped off in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma for camp meeting. Rama had a camp meeting in the last week of July, so we stopped there. And uh, so we were enjoying it, just soaking in all of this, you know, being in Africa, teaching, teaching, giving out, giving out. Now we're just sucking it all in. This was awesome. And then they were going to take up a special offering. And we, Melody and I, every offering, we always tried to give something in every single offering. So this was true then. And so uh, I was just praying. I said, okay, God, you know, is there anything? I'm just going to give something, even if I don't know or hear or anything. But I just said, Lord, if there's something you want, just nonchalantly talking with God. You know, if there's anything you want me to give in particular amount, you know, I'll do it, you know. So I pulled out the checkbook. I'm getting, I signed my name, and all of a sudden, 500. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've got probably... Less than $2,000 on the whole planet that belongs to me. <laughs> Just be clear about this. And I thought, Lord, I, we've only got about 2000 And we're not to Colorado yet. We're still, just in case you forget your GPS messed up, we're in Tulsa. We still got to get to Colorado. And I'm doing all this, and they're singing up there, you know, taking up the offering there. We're getting ready to take up the offers, but they always sing a song. I'm not listening to the song. I mean, I'm in a fog thinking. <laughs> so I tapped Melody, and I said, I'm getting out of this one. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to ask Melody and see if the Lord spoke to her. And she says, 100. I go, okay, I missed it. So I said, babe, I'm going to give in the offering. Do you have an amount that, you know, just not trying to be spiritual. Is there anything, you know? No, no. Oh, yes, I do. I, I felt like I got an amount. I went, really? <laughs> what is it? $500. <laughs> you know that scripture, if two of you agree on earth is touching anything? That did not come to my mind at all. <laughs> it was nowhere around. Because I thought... Get thee behind me, Satan and my wife. So I said, no problem. Okay, 500. You know, Lord, I only, we only have about 2,000. And I have no job. I'm unemployed. Unemployed. So I wrote it out, 500. I'm telling you, when we got to uh, Colorado, we stopped at Rocky Ford, Melody's aunt and uncle. We lived there with her uh, aunt and uncle for about two months. He employed me. 
He paid me to paint his house. And then, uh, I forgot to say this, the first service, um, we only had one car, and the Melody was working. When we got to Pueblo, she got a job right away as an RN. And um, when we started the church, I, I had uh, the salary of $100 a week, $100 a week. And uh, the church paid, has paid me from that day and to this, not $100 a week. But the, the church has paid me a salary since day one. Every bill has always been paid at this church. I have received a salary. I, we have a staff and our secretary, she vouch. she's always, I never did say, you know, we can't pay you this week. We've always been able to pay every single thing. I'm not saying this because I am gifted or I am talented. I'm saying that God is a good father. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I will always have been, always will be taken care of because of him. Are you hearing me? You need to believe that. And I don't care if you got a good job making like a lawyer $475 now. I don't care where you are at. There is a higher level, and that is here, and that's where you need to believe God. Believe God. And so I know that, and let me just say this, growth financially, I've come to believe that it's more of a stairway instead of an elevator. It's more of a stairway, you know, it's steps. You know, we got this, uh, the car that her aunt gave us, it was an, uh, it was an old car, uh, but it was a rabbit. I don't, I don't even know who makes that, who makes a rabbit? Who? Volkswagen. Volkswagen rabbit, that's what it was. I forgot. Uh, and, but it, it got us along. We didn't even have two cars. We got that, God just kept blessing us and blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And taking care of us. But I'm here to tell you, God wants you to know that he loves you. And he doesn't want you just to, definitely not to live here. Definitely not to even to live here. But he doesn't even want you to live in this part. He's a good, how many, if you've got kids, wouldn't you enjoy it? Wouldn't you be thrilled if your kids were multimillionaires? Or would you say, you don't deserve it? Well, what kind of parent would do that? Not a good one. I don't know one parent that would get be upset because their kids are, are doing so better than them. I want my kids to do better than me. How about you? I want them to do much better than me. But I'm laying a good foundation because we're doing all right. We're, we're, we're not doing by getting by and just getting our needs met. We're not. We're doing better than that. And the Lord wants us all to do better than that. But it's your choice where you want to lift up the standard. You can go from one level to the next. It's up to you. But I'm telling you, your father loves you no matter what level you're at. But if we are going to live the good life and be a blessing to people around us, be a blessing to the kingdom of God, then we have to elevate this, do we not? It's my goal as your pastor, as your pastor. Let me just back up. I believe when we are living above this, you're going to be a billboard for the lost. People says, well, we just need to reach the lost. Your life will speak a lot more than your words. It will. 
Who are people going to listen to? This is not any self-disrespect. Somebody who's living on the street or somebody who's doing really well in life. Who are they going to listen to? This is, I know this could be taken wrong, and I hopefully won't get a letter, but or plural letters. This is no disrespect to them. But who are people going to listen to? Let's just be transparent. I believe that God wants the church to rise up in all of these levels so that you can have a microphone to your voice. The way to have a microphone to your voice is to be doing pretty good in life. Now, for those who are not, and I know there's several people that are not, maybe people that are watching that are not. It would be easy to be condemned. It would be easy to be offended. And I'll just say this. Most people who don't say, well, I don't believe in that or whatever, they justify and they're going to be critical of people who are for the, for the easy reason that it makes them feel better. If I live in poverty, if I'm struggling and I'm critical of people who are doing well, then it justifies and makes me feel better. If you go down that road, honey, it's not going to be a good life for you. And you will struggle. I'll say it this way. I made everybody in the first service say this, so I'm going to make you say it. Everybody say, I will not be offended. Okay, let's make sure we all say it nice and loud. One, two, three. I will not be offended. It makes me feel so good. Because I, I could say something, I am going to say something that you could take offensive. But since you said that, you're not now. But... Um, If you are struggling in any area of your life, it's because you have not embraced or believe the truth. Or you've not embraced or believe the Father, how good he really is, or how much you are in Christ. You see how that could be offensive? Because it puts a lot of responsibility on you, what you believe not upon what Jesus is withholding, but what you believe. Let's stand.